Welcome to another episode of the Strong Family Project Podcast. I'm Joe, joined by Mel. This is a full-length episode, and we got to dive in. Mel, let's get started. Welcome back to the Strong Family Project Podcast, where we guide you on the path to raising confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong family environment. Two important topics today. One's a little lighter than the other. The first topic we're going to be chatting on is I had to spend a week away, and Mel was running the empire solo. <laughs> And the dynamic that creates in a household and how important it is to appreciate that. And then we're going to shift gears to something much deeper, which is questioning your current belief systems and making sure they are serving you and your family before you continue to move forward. So you're going to want to tune into the full thing. Now, these seem like two different topics, but they are layered on top of each other because when I went away for a work retreat up to... Seattle, it was easy for me to focus on what I needed to do. I also see where it is tougher for other people, and I, I respect that, and I want to make sure that we provide some tips to help that. If one person needs to go do something, how to make it work and how to make it smooth and how to make the most of that opportunity. Yeah, I think this is something that we, not I don't want to say fell into, but over time had to figure out how to do. Because you'd always be, I was used to you being away in the evenings at the gym. And then when we moved, you still needed to travel for work. And I needed to make sure that I became more confident in being able to handle things when you weren't here. And sometimes new curveballs come by, like this last week with two of our boys in sports, which is something that hasn't happened before. And I had to manage that. But really, we've had to talk about it and set expectations and just grow in confidence as individuals to be able to handle it. Success for us might look like it's a little different than success for other families. I think we have established that and we don't need to have an hour phone call every day to understand that I'm thinking about the family where I am. However, to do all these masterminds and these speaking events and work retreats and challenges, I've probably gone two or three weeks every quarter in order to be able to produce for our family and produce these challenges for myself. And we've had to come up with a good balance of how do we make this work? And I, the first step is the first step as it is with many things. That's defining what success looks like. The old saying is be where your feet are. If I am at something that is more intensive, like a speaking engagement, I need to be involved and focused so that I can deliver for the people who are paying good money for me to go and do those things. And I don't want it to be held to a time frame of like, all right, well, I need to do this obligation to check this box for my family of this length of a phone call to be able to say that I'm a good parent or not. And Mel's really supported and we talk about it with the kids. So the key to this is it is many things is communication that if I want to go and deliver for this, I need to be focused and in the zone to perform at a high level because I've been distracted before and it hasn't gone well. I don't have the, the mental capacity to be able to perform at a high level while distracted. You touched on something very important that really is part of family life, regardless of what the topic is, but communication. So if I think back more than a decade, I don't know, at this point we might've only had Logan. So maybe even more than a decade ago. And you'd be working, you would be at school all day as a teacher, and then you'd go to the gym afterwards. And sometimes I would think to myself, is he thinking about us? Is he just distant? Is, are we falling apart? And those things would occur to me. And I'm being very vulnerable because it's true and we're in a different place now, but it's because eventually 
I think I actually offended you <laughs> like on a Father's Day and I said something to you and you were like, you don't understand everything I'm doing is for our family, but that is not where my head was at. That doesn't sound like a very good response for me, but it was. <laughs> but but the, my point in saying this is that we came from a place where I could make assumptions in my mind and they were incorrect. And until we actually were direct with each other and I said something that I regretted at the time, but looking back now, I don't regret because it opened the door to that conversation that has now led us to the point where you can go away for a week. And of course, I sometimes wish you were here because things will come up with the kids. But there's, I don't worry that you're gone and not thinking about us or that you're doing it for some selfish purpose and that it's not for the family. But I wanted to share that because we really had to, we started this conversation over a decade ago at a lower point and it was very difficult at the time. That wasn't a very fun Father's Day <laughs> because of what I said, but I'm almost thankful for it now because it opened the door to this conversation. I think what works for us and I want to at least say this for an option so people know that there's more of an option than having an, feeling an obligatory time commitment of conversation while traveling is that have open communication. Mel texts me, have a minute. As soon as I have a minute, I call because there's something important that is pressing that we need to talk about. This time was Henry's looking to get on A team or B team. He's dealing with some emotions. She wanted to chat about it. Logan's in his second week of football, and he is his first preseason. They're starting school next week. There's a lot going on, and Mel reached out. Instead of just letting it pent, be pent up and like passive-aggressively saying, like, oh, wish you were here. Like I'm dealing with all this hard stuff. Like, hey, let's talk for a minute. We talk for a minute on what we can do about it, and then we move forward. And so having direct and clear communication is, is critical. So we're having less but more valuable when needed communication. And this is one thing with technology. I do that I can text you. I know sometimes a phone call just isn't possible, whether it's just because you're somewhere where you don't have good reception or whatever. But I like that I can formulate what I need and I decide to myself, is this something that I could handle myself right now? Is it something that I need support on? And there's still a way for me to reach out to you. I still had to figure it out. And not only the scheduling of things, but emotionally holding the kids through this transition. And oftentimes the strength that you bring wasn't here as much, which is like the humor. <laughs> like, so in my mind, I'm thinking, I wish he was here to break the ice and make us laugh because it was a little tough at times. However, because we've talked about this before, I know I'm capable to handle it and it'll be fine. And then you did. I asked you for some advice on how to handle things with Henry. And you just sent me like a little paragraph and it was like exactly when I needed to feel supported. I didn't need some kind of, we need to talk every day at this time for me to feel okay. I had tons of compliments for you when I got back because you're able to handle a challenging week and your confidence of, of handling it is amazingly higher than it used to be. And things run smoother and you know that certain things can wait and certain things can't wait and so i really respected that and for my process and this is the last bit on it because it might be unique if i'm going somewhere and, and compensated to do a speaking event for example and i'm speaking on day two day one i gotta be focused on getting to know everyone that i can possibly know so that i can work that into my speech and talk about that and i'm i'm constructing analogies and helpful sayings for those people that I'm meeting on day one and today two. And I have to be focused and present because my brain is not big enough to hold all that content, then deal with the crisis at home, then deal with some random stuff and then deal with some more random stuff, then check my email, then check my text and then go back and deliver a high level speech. It's just not the way that my world can function to be able to provide what people expect out of me. 
And again, to take it back to communication, that's your style. And I need to understand your style so that my expectations are not, or that my assumptions aren't incorrect. And I, the other last piece I wanted to say was when it comes to the kids, we make sure that they understand what it means on the calendar. Then as soon as he's back, we're right back into it. Like yesterday, you came back two days ago. Henry even gave you the compliment during the family meeting that as soon as you got home, we got back into our routine of family meeting, of giving gratitude at dinner. So they know that when you're back, even though it's a disruption when you're gone, they can expect things to return to like our normal. To put a pin in this and shifting gear to our deeper topic, my, my suggestion to you is if you are going and traveling and going to do something apart from your family, have the count conversation before you go on what are the expectations, where you can help, and so that you have clear communication. We're just presenting one more extreme example because the standard is, hey, we're gonna call every night, we're gonna talk for this amount of time, and that's fine too. However, I couldn't make it work with what I had to perform, so then we had to adjust it for us. I wouldn't suggest leaving and not having the conversation and just figuring it out on the fly and the assumptions fly around and it gets to be a bunch of unnecessary drama. And boy, do I hate that. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Drama's let's, never, it doesn't take you to a good place anyway. Yeah, let's shift to a more deep topic. And this more deep topic is questioning why we believe what we believe. And if you question it and still believe it, great. Now you've doubled down on what you believe in. If you question it because you're just doing something out of habit or tradition or society or whatever it is, and you're like, you know what? This isn't serving me anymore. It's time to change. And it's good to do an audit of your beliefs annually. Our first episode is on core values, deciding what you believe in. And then driving your family forward, creating these five to seven core values for your family. However, you probably already have more established than you think. It can be daunting to start from an empty piece of paper and say, I want to come up with my core values. A better place to start is writing this down. What do I believe in? And then you say, I believe, and then you fill in the rest of the sentence. I believe, write it each time, is a little brain trick, and then fill in the rest of the sentence. And every day for a week, just write down some things that you believe in the morning and evening. Write down what you believe about others, about gratitude, about religion, about politics, about wealth, about finances, about communication, about family relationships, about kids, about school, about education in general. And you write down all these beliefs. Don't judge them yet. You're just writing down what you believe in and what you stand for. The second step then at the end of the week is to audit the list and go back and question, why do I believe this? Not should I believe this or not, but why do I believe this? As in, what, where did you learn it from and why do you find it worth repeating? And you go down, I learned this from my parents, I learned this from my parents, I learned this from school, I don't know where this one came from, I learned this from friends, I learned this from sports, I learned this from my parents. And you start writing down who taught it to you so then you can understand it a little bit more deeply. Now, if you work through this process, there's probably some things in the list you're like, I believe this for kind of a faulty reason and maybe I should challenge this belief and maybe put a little line through it for now and not hold it as one of my core beliefs. Then the ones that you do work through the process and you still believe are now stronger because you understand why you believe it, who taught it to you and what the actual belief is. Now there's a, a book that was handed to me by a friend, Ben, it's by Dr. Benjamin Hardy. No, it was not Do Ben Hardy that handed <laughs> me the book. Uh, but there's 
a bit that I wrote about in a Strong Family Project email. So if you're not on the email list, get over to strongfamilyproject.com, download your Strong Family Path, you can get on the email list for free. And I was speaking about this instance. It's in Lewis Carroll's children's book, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Alice asks the Cheshire cat which way she should go when she reaches a fork in the road. That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't really matter much which way you go, said the cat. And so all that's saying is if you don't know where you want to go and what you believe in and what your goals are in a family, it doesn't really matter which way you head because you'll never really get there because you're lost. Our goal is to help you get unlost or unstuck and get some direction. And part of that is questioning your belief systems. I'll give you some examples in a second, but I want to stop talking and open it up to Mel. <laughs> Thanks. So but the thought that comes to mind for me, and this is something that is almost a constant gentle pressure throughout our entire podcast, is being intentional. So when I think about this, I try to think of my belief system as, is it something that I have chosen now as an adult? So like you said, you might have this list that, and you f figure out like where the different belief systems come from. I think that could be a really interesting process. And then you ask yourself, once you're asking yourself if it works for you or not, I think it's really powerful to be able to choose this belief for yourself. I'm intentionally choosing to believe this and live this way and this works for my family. So I think that's really empowering as parents, as individuals, and then eventually our kids. We don't expect them to choose the same value system necessarily that we have. We have our six core values. And of course, I think they'll always hold them dear, but they might think of something different. As long as they recognize that they need to think of themselves as, think of their values as something they are choosing and not just something that's being forced upon them or just poured on them, like they get to eventually decide for themselves. So I think oftentimes, and Joe briefly mentioned how people have beliefs, you have them, you have core values, but have you really taken the time to define them and choose them for your family and then live intentionally by them? Let's give some examples. I've been, I've been blowing a lot of hot air at my microphone. So I think <laughs> examples really bring it home. Like in that book, they have some good content but we went through the content. I went through it pretty brief, but I would rewind it and, and go through that, I believe, process to figure it out for you. Uh, but here's an example, a simple one. Do you believe that you must wear a coat outside at all times? <laughs> no, but maybe you should be more specific. Should you always ha have a raincoat in the rain? Why do you believe that? <laughs> I used to believe that, or at least an umbrella. Because you can get sick if you're wet. This is what I was taught. <laughs> and why do we believe that? That we would get sick? I guess your feet get wet and you're cold. And the phrase is catch cold. So people relate that to being cold. Maybe they do. I haven't thought about Honestly, it Honestly, I don't think I've thought too deeply about it, which is the point, right? Sometimes you just go with it because it's what you know. So I've seen this one repeated with our kids. So uh, this happened in, in school in New York. Our kids run hot. They'd wear shorts. And we actually got called by the school district to say, hey, you need to make your kids wear long pants because kids get cold and they're, I guess, too dumb to know if they're cold or hot <laughs> and need to wear pants or not. In order to go outside for recess, you had to have pants. And I got called from the principal. Yep. And so the reason why we're discussing this is because if you read the literature, you can ultimately decide for yourself there's cold therapy. Now, oh, it's good in all these instances, 
except when you're a kid and a parent just tells them like, is that the one instance is bad for you now? Extended cold exposure has some risks. The kid's walking from the house to the car and the parents say, Hey, get, get your jacket on. You're undermining their self-confidence to decide what's right for them. It might sound real, like a real small thing I'm saying, and it is almost in jest, but that happens all the time. It's just, oh, be careful, saying it's more for the parent than it is the child. Why do we believe that a kid has to dress a certain way based on what we say and undermine their ability to do it, to do it themselves? And we question that, and sometimes we let them do whatever. If it's not a big deal, if we're not going out to somewhere where they need it. One time, it bit me in the butt. We went out uh, to go for a hike, and everyone's no shirt day, whatever. <laughs> It rained. We couldn't go on the hike, so we were going to the trampoline park, and he had to wear a shirt in the trampoline park, so I had to go buy him a shirt so he could go inside <laughs> for the trampoline park. Uh, however, it's we ultimately let them decide in a lot of situations. And they do gain more confidence that way. So if the kids would go to school, and oftentimes other kids point out, they go home to their parents, these kids get to wear shorts to school, why can't I? And honestly, sometimes the parents will come to me, and I'll say, like seriously, because he's too hot. Like that's it, it's that simple. And I just assume, hey, if the kid gets too cold, he will figure out to bring a long sleeve shirt. You're a rebel questioning society's norms, Mel. So you've had to get called by the school and other parents based on your parenting beliefs. And you know what, to layer on top of that, I went, this was back when we were in New York, but when I went to, Log to Logan's classroom one time, I was sweating how hot it was. So here's my kid who's trying to focus in school and can't probably because he's too hot and now he's being made to wear pants. So he had to basically go put pants on in the bathroom to be able to go outside for recess. Anyhow, I think the whole point here is that it's okay to then question it. I almost wish I had pushed back a little bit. Now, maybe if I could go back over many years, I'd be a little, him a little bit now. I would have been more able to <laughs> where I'm at now. I have another example. So another example is every child has to go to college or you have to go to college. I think that is important to, to question, especially given the world that we live in. And I think part of this belief system, so if we ask the question, why do I believe this, is generational. And I even had this conversation with your mom when she was here. And she said, when we were, when she was having you boys and we were, and I was younger and my sister, that was really the belief in society that everyone should aim to go to college. That is the only way that you're going to be successful. And I think in our generation now, and even given all the things that you've accomplished or doing this podcast, like I don't have a degree in doing podcasts. It's funny that both of us have our masters and neither of us do anything With in that <laughs> field. Now, I, there are some experiences that I am thankful for. So uh, it opened some doors for me early on. So it's not bad talking. You can certainly go to college, but you can also certainly be successful without it these days too. Right. So my thought process now really in thinking about it, not because I'm going to go back to college, but because I have children and I wonder what their future is going to look like. So I have intentionally made it a point to explain to them that there are many roads you can take. And I think it's important for them to realize that because again, I think it should be their decision. And I understand that kids, even when you're 18, like ready to go to college or go into the workforce or whatever you're going to do, they're still young, they still are impressionable, and they still haven't fully developed their brain to be able to make great decisions. However, I just think I want them to understand that there are different options. So that's just another belief that I've considered and thought about since having kids. Let me give you one more before we wrap, and I, I challenge you to question it yourself. What's your views on asking for 
help? Do you view it as weakness? Do you view that you have to have the pride in things in order to hold your head up high? Do you believe that you should put on airs to almost mask what you're going through? And sometimes people do that and believe like it's important what people in your outward outward projection should look how you should look when you I'm sorry I'm losing my focus our five-year-old just came (laughs) in and started pulling on us but we're gonna power through it should you care what other people think uh, look on the outside or are you willing to ask for help and be vulnerable on the inside I think this is a critical one because we learn a lot from our parents like all right let's like not show others that we're struggling we struggled as kids we would uh, make sure we, we still dressed up and put the smile on and went through the song and dance a little bit. And I don't know if they were asking for help or not. This is a judgment statement. But some of the best things in my life have come from my ability to raise my hand and say, hey, I'm off track. Can you please help me with some guidance to certain mentors in my life, like uh, Vince or Kevin, who have helped me along the way where I'm saying, hey, like I started this company. You have a big company. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me a little bit? And that has just catapulted my life forward Uh, had I kept that belief like all right well just fake it till you make it type belief then I would be still faking it because I would have never made it yeah I think it's important to reach out to people that are in your circle even outside of your circle who can I reach out to who's better at this skill or even this belief system and I think what comes to mind for me is like critical thinking, like trying to help our kids figure out why they think something. So I know a big piece of school, and I'm not sure, I hope a lot of this happens, but we try to do it at home as well. If the kids say something, okay, why do you think that? Where did that come from? And even though I might know the answer, I want them to exercise that muscle. So when they believe something, or if another student at school tells them something, that in their mind, they don't just take it for face value. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's go with that. I want them to be able to think about it. And then if they need help understanding it, or if it's some kind of a new topic, they can come home to us and we can discuss it. It's not just like a top down, here's what you have to think, here's what you have to believe. Because these kids are going to be on their own someday and they will have to decide for themselves. So we're encouraging you to get a jump start on the whole process of establishing your family core values if you haven't. That is start your beliefs. And even if you have your core values, I would do this exercise of writing down what you believe in and either question it, challenge it, change it, or keep it now that it's stronger. There is a question that I want to finish on though. To give the listeners more context, what is a belief that you have changed now as an adult? One of your favorite ones. You used to view it one way, now you view it differently, and you're so happy that you view it this different way. I need a minute. I was, <laughs> of course, the rain jacket one is definitely one of them. <laughs> I don't know if that's a big family mover, but it's not. But I just tell the kids I have waterproof skin, and they just use a towel. There you go. I think it's, for me, it's our perspective change on celebrations and what treats are. And we've talked about it before on the podcast. It's a shift that's came around since we've moved to Colorado. In the last maybe year and a half, uh, I had decided to do the 4,140 pull-ups to celebrate my 40th birthday. And that started to steamroll our uh, 11-year-old did 1,000 pull-ups on Thanksgiving. We did them together. On his birthday, he did 1,011. On Father's Day, we did a Father's Day marathon instead of sitting around eating cheesecake like we used to. And we started to challenge the society-held belief that celebrations 
give you a treat and that treat that good thing that you get is something that's bad for you long term which is a, a pile of food that you get on that special day not other, any other time because it makes you feel sick to your stomach and it's bad for you and instead we've leaned into experiences and created a series of memories based on us challenging a belief that we held for so long and now we think differently for me i think it's been when we've had some huge life changes so one of them being you deciding to stop teaching and go full time with the gym because we had a lot of pushback from from just people in general. Well, how could you leave teaching because the insurance is so good? What are you going to do? And the fact that we were able to choose our direction. So that's one really big one. And secondly, the fact that we moved across the country. I said before in the podcast, when that first came up for us, my belief was like, that's crazy. Like, how could we leave the, the town that we live in right now? How could we go across the country? Like, my belief system completely put me into panic because I thought this was just a crazy idea. And now that we've done it, of course, there's opportunity cost. But we've had so many opportunities here. The kids are doing so well. We're just as a family and as a couple, like things, everything has grown. And it's all because I was willing to question the belief of people just we're not people who move, right? That was the thought in my mind at the time before I opened up to thinking differently. So I think those, my belief system that has changed has been those big life change things. And to bring it full circle, one that's changed a lot for us is that when one person's out of town, the other person is underwater on how difficult their life will be. And you've helped me change that belief that, all right, we got to go to town. You got to go handle your business. I'm going to handle business here. And that belief is very powerful and it lets us, our family and everything grow forward and have more opportunities because we're able to separate the tasks and be able to execute at a high level instead of both of us trying to pull the other person back almost like we're fighting against each other to be able to accomplish things that we need to do. And it really, for me, just as an, a closing note, comes back to gratitude. I think I've been able to push myself to get better at being a supporter of when you're gone to be able to do the things I need to do here because I'm grateful that since you go and do these things, I get to be home with the kids and stay and do these things. So I try to, everybody's situation is different, but if you can find a way to find gratitude in that situation, wow, I get to have some time with just the kids or I can try to grow my relationships with them without him here. I gain confidence and I try to always see it as like a silver lining or a gratitude. And that always helps me grow in a positive direction. I appreciate that, Mel. And I appreciate you, the listeners. We're going to wrap this up now. Uh, visit us at strongfamilyproject.com. We have a gift for you over there, which is the Strong Family Path, the seven elements to get your family on track. We provide it for you free. We give you all our notes. Everything is set up and ready to go. And you can download that at strongfamilyproject.com. Thank you for listening to another episode. Catch you in a couple days.